pray this finds you having a blessed day. We look forward to uh, getting into this podcast, and this will actually be the last one that we do uh, concerning prayer. Um, I think this is a good way to kind of wind this down, and we're going to be looking at this specific passage that is one of my favorite in all of Scripture, uh, but I think is one that really um, ties together everything that we've been talking about up to this point when it comes to um, our prayer lives, um, how we should be living, um, how that prayer affects us, and how that prayer is such an intimate communication uh, with the Father rather than just asking for things. And so we will tie it all up with this passage, and then um, I'm going to begin a study on the miracles that we see in Scripture. Um, And what I want to do is I want to make sure that we try to um, look at the... Again, I don't want to just belabor the point with saying I want to look at the human side, but that's really what I want to do. I think sometimes when we um, read the miracle stories in Scripture, we just kind of, we've heard about them in Sunday school for so long, and we have this picture in our mind, and I think we, we walk through the stories so quickly based on the picture in our mind or what we heard growing up in Sunday school. And I want us to really investigate each one of the miracles. I want to see the people. I want to uh, help us to feel kind of what's going on in those settings to help us to understand how significant and important these miracles were. Um, Because what they were is Jesus showing us a picture of, of God's heart. And so that's what I want to do with that. But... That'll be next week as we start that, Uh, but if you have your Bibles and you want to turn uh, to the book of John chapter 15, uh, this is a familiar passage of Scripture. Um, It is the passage where Jesus um, refers to himself as the true vine, Um, and I think that this passage is absolutely beautiful at helping us to understand the Christian walk, but also to understand our prayer life, and I think that at the end of this passage, Jesus really clarifies and does a way better job than what I've done at tying all of the things that we've been talking about together. So starting in verse 1, it says, Jesus says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. Every branch in me that does not produce fruit, he removes. And he prunes every branch that produces fruit so that it will produce more fruit. Now, I know we talked about it at one point, the idea of being pruned. Um, And that's tough. Um, That is very tough. Um, That's the idea that James said in chapter one that, you know, count it all joy when we uh, have various trials and temptations. And, you know, a lot of that stuff seems like an oxymoron. How can we have joy in trials? Uh, How can we be uh, excited about pruning? How can we um, find comfort or, uh, you know, things of that nature. And I think, again, what I hope that we've been able to gather from this is it's not so much about your circumstances. It's not so much about what's going on. It's about your view, your perspective of who the Father is. And when the Father is doing something um, in our lives, um, we should be able to find joy in that because we realize The only reason he's doing it is because it's going to better us and because he loves us. 
So, you know, he, he speaks very clearly here that pruning will take place. Um, and even though it is uncomfortable, it's a place that um, we need to go in order for um, Jesus to be able to kind of get some of the rough edges off and get some of the unproductive stuff out of our lives. And guess what? That's what prayer does. When we really go to God in intimate prayer and we're having those intimate times of communication with him, what we find is that really is a time of pruning because what he's going to do is he's going to allow the Holy Spirit to really speak into our hearts if we're listening. And again, these are some of the things we've talked about over the last few weeks, uh, some of these same topics, that when we really do listen, that is when he points out the things in our lives that need to be repented of, the things that need to be pruned, the things that need to be um, pulled away and thrown into a scrap pile, if you will. And those are tough times because that's a lot of self-realization of, wow, I'm maybe not as faithful as I thought I was. I'm not as obedient as I thought I was. I'm not as compassionate as I thought I was. And I think that's what good intimate prayer does is it reveals these things through the power of the Holy Spirit. It reveals these things in our lives to help us to understand where we really are and give us a good plumb line. Uh, Jesus continues on in verse 3. He says, You are already clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Remain in me and I in you. Just as a branch is unable to produce fruit by itself unless it remains on the vine, neither can you unless you remain in me. And I believe that this right here is, again, reminding us of the intimate communication that we have with him. Uh, There is, if you want to say it this way, when you look at the vine and the branch, there is an intimate connection there. That vine and that branch are completely attached together. One is reliant upon the other. That's the point of prayer. Prayer, again, and I've said this so many times so far, prayer is not asking God for stuff. Prayer is you understanding that apart from God, you can do nothing. And we're going to get to that verse here in just a a few minutes. But that's the idea. The branch is completely reliant upon the vine. And we have to be able to get to a point to where we're comfortable with that in our lives. That it's not a bad thing to be reliant upon the Lord. It's not a bad thing to allow ourselves to uh, become submissive and and, uh, be able to see that, you know, we can't do anything apart from Him. And one of the things that happens here is that, let's just say, uh, you know, where we live down here in Georgia, uh, we've only lived here now for, you know, about eight, nine months. And one of the things that I'm seeing is where we live, There's a, it's a lot of flat area, a lot of flat ground. Um, we moved from the mountains in Virginia, and of course, you know, it's a little different here with the, with the flatness. And what I found is that a lot of the trees, uh, when the wind blows, it's just the wind doesn't have anything to really block it. And so a lot of branches will snap out of trees, or it may be one of those things that a branch snaps, but it doesn't completely fall to the ground. Well, what happens is it's lost that intimate connection with the tree itself. And because it's lost that connection with the tree, proper nutrients can't go into it. And so, excuse me, even though that tree and the branch, the branch is not fallen from the tree, there's a break that's taken place. And that break is not allowing proper nutrition to flow. And that that branch can die right there. And it's all a matter of can there be a way of continuing to get nutrition there. But if there's a complete break, 
it's one of those things that, that, that you've lost your capacity to be able to draw from that, from that source of life. And so what Jesus is telling us is the true Christian life is not about you progressing in order for you to show God what an awesome Christian you've become. The Christian life is about you constantly decreasing and Him increasing, as John the Baptist said, so that you consistently deepen in your understanding that you need Him more every day. In verse 5, he says, I am the vine, you are the branches. The one who remains in me and I in him produces much fruit because you can do nothing without me. There's the verse. Verse 6, if anyone does not remain in me, he is thrown aside like a branch and he withers. They gather them, throw them into the fire, and they are burned. That again goes back to the analogy I just gave of the branch that breaks away from the windstorm. What Jesus is telling us is this. You can't produce fruit of yourself. If you go to the book of Galatians, chapter 5, we see the fruit of the Spirit. And again, that's not a plural word. We don't say fruits. It is the fruit. It is all of that, not just the picking and choosing or I'm doing, you know, we don't, we don't look at it as individual fruits. We look at it as fruit in general. This is Galatians 5, 22 and 23. This is what a Christian life should look like. This is the um, outcome, the, 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 uh, uh, what happens whenever you're following the Lord. And that's what he's telling us here. He says, if you remain in me and I remain in you, then this is what will happen. And notice what he says. The one who remains in me and I in him produces much fruit. And the reason for that is because he produces it through you. If you go and you look, let, let, let's just flip over there real quick in Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23. Let's look at the fruit of the Spirit, okay? Notice what it is. And, and you may have memorized this, but for those who don't, uh, let's just look at it. In verse 22 it says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Now, I want to ask this question, and it's a redundant question because I already know the answer, and you should too. How many of those can you, on your best day, produce of yourself? None. There's not one of those that you can produce on your own, even on your best day. The fruit of the Spirit can only be produced by the Holy Spirit living out through you. And that means there has to be complete reliance upon the Father in order for Him to be able to live that out through you. Because I can't love someone with a Christ-like love apart from Christ. I can't find joy in the midst of trials, as James said, apart from knowing that I'm in relationship with Jesus. I cannot have patience apart from the Holy Spirit allowing me to see people through God's eyes and not becoming impatient with them. And I can keep going on with them because what I want us to understand is there's none of these that you can produce of yourself apart from Jesus. So that's why Jesus says, I must remain in you. You must remain in me. There must be this intimate relationship. And guess what that is? It's called prayer. It is us in deep, intimate communication with the Father. And you can say, well, you know, hold on, I don't, I don't agree with that. You need to be in the Word. But 
if you go back and you listen to the podcast, what was one of the things that we talked about? One of the most important things we can do is listen. And one of the best ways we listen is by getting into the Word. So we spend our time in prayer. And when we spend our time in prayer, not only are we sharing our heart with God, but we want to hear God's heart too. Well, we do that through the reading of Scripture, through the singing of songs. And so that's why I say prayer is that communication. It is that link between the vine and the branch because it's that level of communication. When I do marital counseling, I do the first four sessions that I do are on communication. I do uh, anywhere between eight to 12 um, sessions of premarital counseling but the first four I do are all on communication. And this is what I start off by telling every one of the married couples. If you don't have intimate communication daily with your spouse, you are setting yourself up for failure. Simple as that. And that's not sexual communication. Intimate communication is not sexual communication. Intimate communication is an opening and vulnerability of the heart to where you don't hide anything from your spouse. See, intimate communication with God is that I know He already knows me better than I know myself. So what I'm doing is I'm laying myself out before Him, completely vulnerable, knowing He knows my heart, knowing He knows my mind, knowing He knows my intentions, and I'm saying, God, here I am for better or worse But I know that you love me. I know that you accept me, not for who I am, but because I love you and you live in my heart. And that's why I believe prayer is that link between the vine and the branch. Because what it does is that intimate communication keeps us focused on the heart of God. And then all of the other aspects, such as reading the word and all that, that is part of that prayer. Because what you're doing now is you're listening for God in the time of being in Scripture reading and things of that nature. So look here in verse 7. If you remain in me, and this is one of those things, and I'm going to tell you this is why I can't stand health and wealthers, because they'll take this verse right here completely in a vacuum. You can't take verse 7 and 8 by itself, pull it out, and make a doctrinal theological idea out of it. you got to take this whole entire passage. And so that's why I'm going to spend the remaining minutes here on these last two verses, because... I can't stand it when people take verses out of context in order to build their own theology. And I know that I'm going to burst a lot of y'all's bubbles right now. But that's just like taking Jeremiah 29.11 or taking Philippians 4.13 and just using your own theology with that, such as, you know, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. That's a great bumper sticker. The problem is, is are you looking at it within the context of what Paul's talking about? He's not talking about it like a cheerleader rah-rah kind of moment. Uh, when we look at Jeremiah 29, 11, he's talking to the nation of Israel. He's not talking to you. And so that's why sometimes it, it just irritates me that we take Scripture out of context in order to make something sound good or something m- make it the way that we want it to sound in order for us to justify whatever. And that's really what happens here. Because listen to this verse and tell me if you don't think that this is like a health and wealthers dream right here. If you remain in me and my word remains in you, ask whatever you want and it will be done for you. Man, that is, that is a health and wealthers dream verse right there. If you just read God's word daily, all you got to do is ask God for whatever you want and he'll give it to you. That's what I can say out of that, right? 
I can preach that all day long if I want to. If I don't give you the context of what's going on, if you don't know anything else about this passage of the vine and the branch, he just says, if you remain in me and my word remains in you. So I'm telling you, you read God's word, you can ask God for anything. You can ask him for a new car. You can ask him to bless your bank account. You can ask him to be able to give you a new house. You can even ask him to give you a new marriage. I mean, you see where this can go. And you see how easy it is to take one verse and make junk out of it in order to make people uh, just drop what they're doing and say, oh my gosh, that is so easy. All I got to do is read a couple verses a day and God will give me whatever I want in prayer. No. What are we missing if we don't read the context of this passage before we get to this voice or to this verse? We're missing the intimate connection of the vine and the branch. That's why this whole passage has to be taken together. Because you can't have verse 7, which says, If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you want and it will be done for you. You can't have that apart from that intimate connection of prayer. Now, what exactly does this verse mean? Does this verse mean that if I'm following Christ, that I can just sit down and say, Okay, God, you know what? We've been struggling so much, and I need you to give me a job that is six figures, so that way I don't have to worry about money anymore. Or, you know what, God? Uh, you know, we, we just need, we need a, 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 a more expensive vehicle so we can fit into the community. No, that's not at all what any of that means. What is Jesus saying? when he says what he says in verse 7. Well, it's important to take verse 8 with it. So let's read these two together and let's dive in. If you remain in me and my word remains in you, ask whatever you want and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you produce much fruit and prove to be my disciples. So what is Jesus saying here? I think it's very simple when you take the whole passage in context, and this is why it can shut down any of that health and wealth junk. What Jesus is saying is this. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, what is he saying? If there is an intimate connection between me and you, if you are spending that quality time with me in prayer, listening to me through the word, doing everything that you can to be submissively obedient, to be faithful to what I'm asking you to do. Not perfect, not getting it right all the time, but you are striving to be a disciple of Christ. You are remaining in Him. You want His word to remain in you. You want to keep yourself focused on what God would have you to do. Here's what I believe Jesus is saying you will understand my heart. So, so what's important from that? Here's how I want us to read this verse. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, you will understand my heart and you will ask what aligns with my heart. See, here's the thing. When we begin to pray in a way to where we are we have been in intimate communication with God. We're not going to be asking God for our wants. We're going to be seeking out the heart of God and wanting our prayers to align with Him. And what I mean by that is this. When we come to God in prayer, 
And, and, and please hear what I'm saying. I, I'm not saying that we are Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane at all. I'm just using this as an example. When our heart is aligning with God's heart in our prayer life, we are more apt to say, God, this is what I want, but I would rather your will be done. Kind of what Jesus did in the Garden of Gethsemane. He said, God, I want this cup to pass from me, but not my will, but your will be done. What happens when we begin to be in deep, intimate relationship with God and we begin to pray and we begin to listen and we begin to hear from Him in His Word, we begin to start understanding the heart of God as He allows us to. He takes us into deep relationship with Him and He reveals to us what we can understand and what we can handle. And I believe what happens is the more that we begin to understand God's heart, the more that we're able to really shape our prayer life to a more um, Lord's Prayer type mentality. Uh, You know, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Not, you know, Lord, help me to build my kingdom and Lord, let my will be done. But it's all about you. And I think that's what happens here. I believe that we're able to to begin to see the heart of God because what is the heart of God for me in my prayer life? Look in verse 8. The Father is glorified by this. What? That you produce much fruit and you prove to be my disciples. God is glorified when people see fruit in your life. Now, again, if I'm a health and wealther, I can flip that. And I can say, you know what? You know what he's talking about here with fruit? He's talking about blessings. So if God is is blessing you and you have new cars and you have a big house and you have fine suits and, you know, you have all of these toys that you can play with, you know what? God, people will see that God is blessing you. No, 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 no. It doesn't say in Galatians 5 that the fruit of the Spirit is house, boat, ATV, new car, fine suits. It doesn't say anything like that. It says what? That they're all submissive things. It's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness. See, notice the things. It's all submissive things. Because here's what's happening. Again, let's go back to the trials. Let's go back to the difficult times. When people can see Joy in your life when everything else around you is chaos. That's how they see Jesus in you. When people can see that you love the unlovable, that's how they see the fruit of the Spirit in you. When they see that you are gentle with people that can cause you know extra grace required in your heart. You know those people, those people that just flat get on your nerves. The people that you can't stand, the people if you saw in a grocery store, you'd walk down the other aisle praying to God that they don't see you and talk to you. Because they just drive you up a wall. If you can be gentle with those people when others can't, people will see the fruit of the Spirit in you. Are you getting my point? What God is, or what Jesus is saying here is that God the Father is glorified when you are producing the fruit of the Spirit to where others can see. And what does that mean? If you are producing the fruit of the Spirit so others see Jesus in you, guess what? The last part of verse 8, you prove to be Jesus' disciple. Not his convert, not his Christian, but his disciple. Because what you're doing is this. And this is where we're summing it all up. What is prayer? Prayer is me wanting my heart to align with Christ so I can become more Christ-like. That's prayer. 
all of the stuff we've studied up to this point on prayer and faithfulness and all of those things, this is where it all comes together in, in essence, this simple statement. Prayer is me submissively saying, God, I want to know your heart. I want to be more like you and I want to be more Christ-like. And that's what glorifies the Father is when my heart aligns with His. When my heart wants what His heart does. Because here's the thing. My blessings, it doesn't matter what God blesses me with here, my blessings here will never be able to touch the moment I get to see Jesus. And that's what it's all about. I want to know Him before I see Him. I don't want to go to heaven and i got to look around to figure out who Jesus is. I want to be in such intimate relationship with Him through my life here on, on this pilgrim you know, earth that we're on so that when I see Him, I know exactly who He is and He knows exactly who I am. So that's the idea of what prayer is. That's why I love John 15. It's such a wonderful passage of Scripture. So I encourage you um, that, uh, you know, I hope this has been an encouragement to you, this prayer and faith study. I hope it's challenged you a little bit, and I hope it's, hope it's given you a little bit more of a perspective on prayer. And I hope that it's helped you to understand that prayer is not as intimidating as you think it is. Um, and, and that it'll cause you to want to deepen in your walk with Him. Um, again, this will be the last one we do on prayer and faith. We're going to jump in and start studying miracles next week. So we're going to be on that for a while uh, because I want to make sure we take our time with that. Uh, if this has been a blessing to you, I pray you share it with somebody. Uh, it would be really appreciated if you go to whatever platform you're on, especially Apple Podcasts, and be able to give a rating and a review uh, to be able to help this get out there a little bit more to some people. And uh, most of all, if you don't know Jesus as your personal Savior, I pray that uh, by listening to this, it's caused you to want to know him more and that you would understand that Jesus died on the cross for your sins. He paid your sin debt and that salvation is you repenting of your sins and asking Jesus to be Lord of your life and becoming a disciple of Jesus Christ. And I encourage you to find somebody that you know is a follower of Christ and ask them today what it means uh, to really follow Jesus Christ and to repent of your sins. Uh, I pray that uh, this has challenged you to go out and do something with it today. May you have a blessed day. We look forward to seeing you next week.